welcome back to the Bias Opinion Sports Podcast, episode number 24. I'm here with PJ, and I'm uh, just going to recap pretty much what's happened, happened this weekend in the NFL and uh, preview next week in college football because pretty good games, mostly ND and Georgia, sort of be focused on um, as ND fans. Uh, so, PJ, Pats, dominant win. Let's start with that. 43 nothing over the Dolphins, who may be, might be the worst NFL team of our lives, lifetimes. They got some tough competition with the Browns and the Lions, but, uh, yeah. Any takeaways from this game? Um, nah, you, it's kind of hard to judge this game. It was a preseason game for the Patriots. A lot of people were saying that Brady and Antonio Brown were playing good together, but I, I disagree. Antonio Brown was targeted eight times, only four catches, and also Antonio Brown was only out there for like 33% of the snaps, so. You can't yeah. really judge Antonio Brown and Brady uh, based on this game alone. Yeah, Brady Brady missed him on a touchdown, although he did catch a touchdown also in the game. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Pat's really – Gostowski played really bad in this game, and Sony Michelle played really bad in this – not really – Sony Michelle didn't play really bad in this game, but he hasn't been – for the competition, he should have been probably a lot better, and especially how many times he touched the ball. Um, and I think that's honestly – this game, even though they won forty-three nothing, I think that says a lot more about the defense and the offense. I still think, still think the offense has some concerns. Uh, like I, this team's still the favorites to win the Super Bowl. Whatever, I'm not saying like anything's going to go wrong with the Pats, but if you have to be concerned about anything as a Pats fan, uh, Sony Michelle is the only running back in the NFL right now with at least thirty-five carries to have zero missed tackles. He's actually the only one to have less than four, and he is zero. And every other running back with that many touches has at least four missed tackles. So. That's got to be concerning. He has clearly not been playing that well. He was terrible in week one. He wasn't put up all right numbers in week two, but, I mean, that can mostly be attributed to the fact that he got the ball a ton of times and the Dolphins are just a joke of a team. And then Gostowski missed a bunch of kicks. That he's he's looking washed up, uh, to be honest. I don't know. He'll probably bounce back. He's been one of the best kickers in the league forever, but it's a little concerning when your kicker is not on his game, a little rattled mentally, especially when you're going to rely on him a lot in the postseason probably. Um, yeah. Yeah, the uh, schedule for the Patriots only gets harder from here. They have the uh, Jets at home this week. The 21-and-a-half-point favorite. Brady was limited in practice today with a calf injury, so they need Brady fully healthy at 100%, I think, to uh, overcome the Jets in this uh, Week 3 Titanic matchup. Oh, yeah. Just very, very difficult uh, opponent there in the Jets, too. In my opinion, uh, I actually think they're a better team without Sam Darnold there. I think he's... Uh, Makes their offense stagnant. That guy just brings nothing to the table. Um, I don't really know how you're missing NFL games with Mono. I guess, I mean, I can't judge the guy. I think he has a swelled spleen or something, so I don't know. I think he's a little bit better than Luke Falk. I, I don't know about that. Sam Darnold, I mean, maybe, but Sam Darnold underthrows the receivers. I don't know. I don't think he can overthrow because I don't think his arm reaches, uh, can throw up that far. Sam Darnold, <laughs> bad player. Terrible coach there, like I said before. My pick is the Jets and the worst team in the league. Uh, the Dolphins are kind of one-upping them, but Jets might be the second-worst team in the league. So I'm, everyone thought they were going to take a big step this year, and I really, really do not understand how anyone can think that because they're just – the Jets suck. They're just – they're bad. And Adam Gase is an – you can only give Le'Veon Bell the ball at the middle so many times and expect to do anything on offense. Like, And uh, I actually want to get into the Browns-Jets game that happened Monday night this week. Did you catch any of this game? I did. I, wa- I watched the first half, and then I turned it off because it was so bad. But Browns, they should have beaten the Jets by way more. If you look at the stats, the Browns had 16 first downs, and the Jets had 13. They both had the same amount of plays. 
and it was it was just bad football by the Browns. They were the only because they moved the ball at all. Really, that's the reason why they won. And OBJ, there's really nobody defending him, and guys on defense out as well. And Baker was throwing these awful passes uh, through a pick. I don't know. They're very overrated, and in this type of game, they should have won by by a lot more. Yeah, Baker, another bad game for him. Uh... Other than, I mean, his stats looked all right, uh, but it was mostly saved by OBJ's, like, 80-yard catch and run. And then he also had OBJ, like, a 40-, 50-something-yard catch on the sideline with one hand. That was – don't know how he made the catch or got his feet in. But OBJ's kind of rescuing Baker's stats. Jarvis Landry looks really bad. I don't even know who their third receiver is at this point because nobody's doing anything there. Nobody's making plays. Chubb was all right. Chubb – they kept running Chubb on a shotgun, and that's just not the way. He's a downhill runner. He, when you run him out of shotgun, he can't really get a full head of steam. And he looks slow like that, and that's just not – I don't know. Kinjins is not calling plays to uh, put the, his very skilled offense in good situations. It's uncreative, uh, predictable offense with just play calling that doesn't fit his, the, the team itself. I don't, I don't know. I wasn't really buying into Kitchens before the season, and he's kind of um, – Proving me right there a little bit because he really – I don't know. I'm not loving Kitchens. I'm, I, if I'm a Browns fan, I'm definitely worried. Uh, and I'm liking my pick of the Ravens to win that division. Who uh, had another big win this week, although they actually only won by six points against the Cardinals. you catch any of this game? Uh, I did not. I don't think uh, – I don't think you can take too much from the Ravens' first two weeks. Played the Dolphins, Cardinals, two of the bottom five teams in the league. So, big test for the Ravens to come this week at Kansas City. Uh, they played them well last year. I think they might have lost in the last play or lost in overtime. So I think their defense might be able to slow Mahomes down a little bit more than others. Uh, but the big test for Lamar Jackson will be uh, this week at Arrowhead. Yeah, I wanted to get into that a little bit. Uh, the, uh, I just want to talk about the Ravens because I picked them to win the division before the season, and obviously they've looked like one of the better teams in the NFL through two weeks. Like their offense looks like a almost a juggernaut because of mostly because of Lamar Jackson. Uh, he's playing. People, a lot of people are comparing him to Mike Vick in his prime, his ability to run uh, and pass downfield. And um, as much as I want to buy into the hype, I do think he's getting – people like that are comparing – like already putting him into like an elite-tier quarterback for two games against arguably the two worst defenses in the league. Um, I, think, I think it's a little concerning, uh, especially because they only beat the Cardinals by six points. Uh, like Because the Cardinals are not a very good team. And – um, they've surprisingly put up good fights in both the games they've been in, I thought, at least, uh, considering I thought they were going to be a train wreck this year. I thought they were going to just be hard to watch. They're pretty entertaining to watch, so good for the Cardinals, I guess, uh, as long as they're more entertaining than a lot of teams in the NFL. And their their four-wide set thing that they do is pretty fun to watch. Feed Larry, feed Christian Kirk. Uh, it's, I don't know. It's good stuff. I don't know if it's winning football, but it's it's fun football, so there's that. Um other things to get into, uh, talk about like, uh, Roethlisberger, Andrew Brees, both going out with injuries this week, and Cam Newton may or may not be out a few weeks. Um, yeah, a lot of quarterback injuries. How do you think this is going to impact the league? Uh, the league, I'm not I'm not sure. I'll go with the teams. Oh, well, yeah. I think, I think the Panthers, they need to get uh, – their the backups will agree, I think, right? Uh well Will Greer no he some other guy it's uh Will Greer is not the backup though. Well the Panthers they have to try a young quarterback for an extended amount of time to see if they need to draft a quarterback because Cam Newton 
He's got one year left in his contract after this year, and he's nobody's going to re-sign him for a contract the way that the quarterbacks are getting money nowadays. So Cam Newton's washed up. I think I saw a stat where he, 33% of his balls are deemed uncatchable, which is like the most in the league, the highest percentage of balls deemed uncatchable in the league by any quarterback. So that's that's not a good stat. Uh, to the Steelers, Roethlisberger, I don't I don't know how you hurt your elbow like that. He's just he's not a pitcher. He's not throwing a baseball or a curveball. He just throws a ball and hurts his elbow. So that's that's not a good thing. I saw something where Brady said when he's forty, he has no arm pains, but when he was twenty five, he had arm pains all the time. So I guess when you get older, you should you should be figuring that stuff out. I don't know. You shouldn't be having season-ending elbow surgeries on a non-contact injury at this age. It's gonna be hard to come back from. Breeze's injury is a little bit more understandable. I mean, at least he got hit in the fingers, so he's not faking some non-contact thing. Uh, for the Saints, they have a tough next two weeks. Um, they have the Cowboys in there. I forget who this week is, but it's uh, – let me check that real quick. But the next two games are pretty hard, but I think they'll be fine because their division is very – the most inconsistent division of football, I think. So I think the uh, – let's see, the Saints have – who is it? The oh Cowboys this week. Uh, so yeah, it'll be tough for the Saints. Yeah, I agree. The Saints. So I think the Saints are going to try to rule out, roll out a uh, dual quarterback kind of thing. They're going to have Hill play snaps, Bridgewater. They're going to rotate them. And historically in football, college football, I don't even know if anyone's tried this in the NFL, but the, the two quarterback thing does not work. It never has worked. And I don't don't think I'm not, I don't believe in Taysom Hill at all. Don't think he's a very good player. So I think the Saints are going to be uh, – I think they're in a tough spot because their defense isn't very good. Not like their defense can carry them. And uh, they really only have two elite playmakers on offense. I mean, that's more than a lot of teams have. They have two elite playmakers, but outside of, like, if you can't get them the ball, then what are you going to – you're in trouble. And Taysom Hill ain't getting either of them the ball unless he's handing it off to Kamara. Uh, gets a stacked box. And Bridgewater – I'm a big fan of Bridgewater, but um, I don't know. Hasn't been the same since that injury. Uh, I don't think he'll ever be the same. Hate to say it, but we'll see what happens there with the dual quarterback thing. I just think it kind of both players when you do that because neither of them have full confidence that they're the guy, and it's the screws up the team. It's I don't know. It's it seems like it's just too complicated. And uh, the Panthers, they're if Cam Newton sits, they're gonna play with Kyle Allen, uh, who uh, former college teammate of Kyler Murray, who we could be going up against at Texas a and who uh, transferred to Houston uh, his senior year and then entered the draft. I don't know. But in limited time, Kyle Allen's actually been really good, uh, I've seen. So, Panthers fans, honestly, with as bad as Cam Newton was playing, I think the Panthers offense could improve with this guy. Um, he apparently is very – he has a lot of pocket presence, great pocket presence, a lot of poise in the pocket. Uh, so, yeah, if I'm a Panthers fan, honestly, I think this is a good thing. Uh, if Cam Newton sits, I don't, obviously it's not good that anyone gets hurt, but if, if Cam Newton sits out a couple of games to rest his ankle or whatever, I think that's good for the team because now they can see what they have in Kyle Allen and maybe Will Greer, though. I don't think Will Greer is that good. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Let's see if Kyle Allen's legit. I kind of want to see him play. I want to see what he's what's all what he's all about. And uh, Big Ben, I think it might be time to hang it up for him. Uh, I was saying this in the pre, yeah, preseason episode. He um, – he has not. I don't know. He's he gets hurt a ton. He couldn't. He hasn't been able to play on the road like the last three years. Anyway, so he's only good for half your games, and he's just not. Obviously, he gets old. He's not the same player he once was. And this team is just. This Steelers team is kind of falling apart. Um, 
yeah, I don't know. Don't have much faith in the Steelers, although I Mason Rudolph, uh, he did put up crazy numbers in college. He got some highs and buzzes last year at Oklahoma State. So uh, we'll see what he's all about. Yeah, and to uh, correct myself, Saints are at the Seahawks this weekend at home against the Cowboys. So I don't see them winning either of those games. And then for the Steelers, it's interesting that they just traded a first-round pick for a cornerback or say cornerback Minka Fitzpatrick from the Dolphins. I don't know. I think if you're going to have a bad season, you might as well just hold on to that pick and use that on either a defensive guy that they need or even a quarterback if they don't think Big Ben's coming back. So I found that interesting. Yeah, I'm, it's, it's definitely interesting. I don't know how – I don't really know his Minka Fitzpatrick's contract situation. I believe he's a rookie last year. So they still got some years with him under a rookie deal, um, I, th- I think, uh, which is obviously still good. Um, but I don't hate the move only because – First-round pick is always kind of a guess. Like, you don't know if your first-round pick is going to be able to. The Steelers, historically, are a very good team at drafting. Um, and that that, uh, that organization is really good at drafting players late in the first round. And they always pan out. But this year, like you said, this pick could be an early pick because, obviously, Roethlisberger's out. Who knows how Rudolph will be. And their team's just not very good this year. So it's, it's only risky. But I don't hate the move only because I think you're getting a guaranteed talent with your first-round pick that's young. Uh, is controlled under a rookie deal. Um, I don't hate the move. It is a little questionable, though. They're taking a – I don't know. It shows a lot of faith in Rudolph, I guess, to lead this team. And uh, well, he, Yeah, he's been their backup for a couple of years, so he shouldn't know the system. Yeah, he – I don't know. We'll see how he does. It's definitely a bold move, but uh, I can't, you can't write the Steelers out, write them off just yet, but I don't, I don't know if they're – I don't see them making playoffs personally, but, yeah, we'll see what happens. Anything else, Dad? Uh, the Sunday night game we both watched, didn't we? Oh, yes. We did watch the Sunday night game. Eagles-Falcons. Yeah, I thought the Falcons were going to win uh, before the games because of their home opener Sunday night. Uh, they needed a bounce back after their week one loss to the Vikings. In the end, every single player in the Eagles pretty much got hurt, especially on offense. They didn't have, like, backup tight ends, and Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson all went down, and even Aguilar went down during the middle of the game. So did their running backs, too. So I think... For the Eagles, injuries are a legit reason why they lost the game. But I think it's – if you look at end of the game where the Falcons scored a late touchdown with two minutes left, which could have been avoided. And then the Eagles came down. Carson Wentz threw a perfect pass to Nelson Aguilar down the sideline. He dropped it, which would have been a game-winning touchdown. So, I don't know. Tough to tough for me to judge the Eagles on this game where they had chances to win but lost, but also probably should have lost considering the amount of injuries that they suffered before and during the game. Yeah, uh, that was a uh, – that drop was just killer to that team. I mean – you can't really place the ball better than that. Aguilar ran a great route too. He was wide open on the sideline. He was kind of just blew by his guy. He was he was double covered, I think, and he still got by both of them. So I don't know. That's just a tough. I think it's just like he he just I don't know. He just must. It's all mental there. But that was definitely a choke. And there was a drop by one of the runners right after that too, which the Eagles were definitely rattled at that point. Um, but then Aguilar ends up making. Like some like crazy like Wentz just throws up a prayer basically and Aguilar catches it in between like four guys. I don't know how he ended up with that ball because he's not very big. Um, and it wasn't really a jump. Nobody really jumped for it. It was kind of he just found a hole between a couple guys in the zone. And um, the Eagles get another chance and they blew it again. But injuries definitely hurt their team. I mean, when you when you lose out your number one receiver in Alshon Jeffrey, who I think is underrated player. I've been a big fan of his for a long time. He's he's a Solid, good number one wide receiver, and that's a tough loss for any team. You can't really replace what he brings to the table with some random four-string wideout. 
and Deshaun Jackson, who's been one of the best deep threats in the league for his entire career, almost forever. Um, that is definitely going to take away a lot from your offense, especially when you're the Eagles and you still don't really have a running game to rely on. And uh, their O line actually looked pretty bad. I, I was surprised the Falcons' pass rush was was uh, looking good, even though they're known for not having a very good defense. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Good one for the Falcons, um, but they got pretty lucky with all the the drop and to all the injuries from the Eagles. And then I also want to comment on the Eagles' play calling. They did get the ball to the 18 or 19-yard line with a minute and six seconds left, and they just threw the ball four times. I would have ran the ball on first downs to at least pick up a positive gain of three, four, five, maybe six yards. Who knows? It could even be bigger because the Falcons are not expecting a run there. They had no timeouts, but there's still plenty of time if you run the ball. You only have to go 18 yards. In the end, they throw the ball in first and second down. It's incomplete. And then third down, it's just a check down to the running back who picks up two yards. It's the same thing that they just ran the ball on first down. In the end, uh, they came up a yard short on fourth down. So I don't like throwing the ball in all four downs there. I think I think a running play on first down would have been best for them. Yeah, I agree. I can't, I can't argue. That's a good. That's a very good point, um, especially with all the injuries that had a wide out. Why not? try to run on a team that does not have a very good run defense. So, uh, yeah, anything else in NFL? Oh, yeah, yeah. Jalen Ramsey uh, uh, requested a trade uh, recently. Um, and I believe the Chiefs might try to acquire him, which definitely makes – that pretty pretty much solves their biggest hole and makes them a legit competitor to the Pats in the AFC Championship, I think. Um, Mahomes still playing out of his mind. That guy is – ridiculous he's probably gonna break more records this year he's on pace to at least so breaking his own records so yeah that's ridiculous from a home if they pick up Jalen Ramsey it's obviously gonna team a ton because Jalen Ramsey talks a lot of smack but I do think he's probably one of the top three corners in all of football he's legit yeah um he did request a trade but he will be playing uh Thursday night's game against the Titans so we'll see how it uh all plays yeah, out it's probably probably like uh, just trying to negotiate for a massive contract or something. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Uh, moving on to college football? Uh, yes. So, ND Georgia, biggest game of the weekend? Uh, uh, biggest game of the weekend could be an understatement. It might be the biggest game in Georgia football history, at least. It's it's incredibly hyped, especially down in Georgia. It's a night game. They don't have too many night games a year. And then also I was reading there's going to be 90,000 Georgia fans that are going to be in Athens that aren't even going to the game. So, and it's also, they're also expanding the stadium, I think, to get a record crowd. And they have a lot of ND fans, like 8,000 seats. I think they did it both ways in the series when Georgia came to Notre Dame. Even though more Georgia fans showed up, they originally had 8,000. So, I don't know. It's CBS, CBS's contract with the SEC. They get one primetime game a year and they chose Notre Dame, Georgia over any. SEC game that you want to come up with. It's always been Alabama LSU in the past 10 years or whatever. And it's the most watched SEC game that CBS gets, the primetime game, except for the SEC championship game. So it is definitely hyped up. And people can say whatever they want about Notre Dame and they haven't won the big game. And all that criticism is fair. But when it's Notre Dame, it's Notre Dame and it's a top 10 matchup. People people are still carrying it in. It's very, uh, very interesting with Notre Dame. In Athens. Yeah, no, extremely hyped game. Um, so, an old Georgia coach actually said it's the he hasn't seen a buzz like this for any Georgia game ever. Um, and this guy was coached for like twenty years or something crazy like that. I don't know. So, um, this is I think this is going to be. I, I'm worried. Foot. We talk pure football wise. I'm 
very worried as an NB fan, uh, not going to lie. The team lost a ton of talent on defense from last year, Lose, lost number one wide receiver, uh, lost the running back, and then ND has a ton of injuries on running back, which we'll talk about later. But uh, mostly just Georgia's strength is running the football. It has been for a while, especially under Kirby Smart. Loves to run the football, ground and pound offense. Uh, doesn't Fromm doesn't really need to make too many throws. Um, because the running game is so strong. And Andy's biggest weakness on defense this year is up the middle because they lost pretty much everyone there. So, yeah, it's I'm concerned. I think your boy DeAndre Swift could have a massive game against Andy, and I don't really know if Andy can do anything to stop that. Yeah, Notre Dame had trouble uh, stopping the run against Louisville, so I can only imagine what's going to be against Georgia. But the, the spread for this game is also 14 points, which is probably probably fair. I did see a stat. Jake Fromm, uh, Georgia, rather, is 0-4 when Jake Fromm attempts more than 30 passes a game. That was against Alabama, LSU, and the uh, – Alabama twice, LSU, and the Texas game. So, I don't think you can shut down the run, like, throughout the whole game or whatever. But you have to at least try and limit the run and try and turn Georgia into a passing team as much as you can. Where It's not that Jake Fromm can't throw the ball. It's just that – when Georgia loses their identity of running, they're just not as good of a team. Yeah, I and like saying that a team with one of the best quarterbacks in the country, you have to force them to throw, seems kind of weird. But that I agree with there. Like you need to stack the box and force Jake Fromm to make the big play because and these wide receivers and Georgia's got uh, some like they're obviously very talented at every position, but you need to force them to throw the ball, um, which is I don't know. The, Georgia's just the more talented team this year than ND. There's no way around that. Um, ND's offense did take some big steps last game, although a lot of it – I mean, they played New Mexico. It was a joke of a team. They did look better, though. Um, I think they should feed uh, – what's his name? Avery Davis at running back. I think he should be the guy getting most of the touches. Former quarterback, became a cornerback, and now he's back to running back because of all the injuries. Um, ND's – most of the running backs this year are, like, these guys who aren't really that, that athletic. Um, they're just kind of big bodies that can run up the middle, ground and pound. And other than Jafar Armstrong, who's he's that guy's got wheels. He's shifty, he's elusive, but he's hurt, so he's not going to play. That's obviously a tough loss. So if, if I'm on D, I feed Avery Davis. You need the speed. Um, you're not going to beat Georgia with strength because they're probably bigger and stronger than this team. Uh, as much as I don't like to say it, that Georgia's defense is always unreal. They get the most talented recruits, biggest guys, and Kirby Smart's a great defensive coach. So. Um. Yeah, I don't know. You, I think you got to run trick plays or something. And he's got to pull something out of the bag. But uh, Brian Kelly's been historically pretty good in the regular season, at least in uh, huge games. Not the obviously not the postseason uh, with the loss to Alabama and the loss to Clemson, but in the regular season, in huge games, it's either a win or a very close loss. We never really get blown out by nasty teams unless the team sucks. So I, I'm confident that I'm not confident, but I have I have hope that this is going to be a close game. Yeah, two years ago, it was a, a one-point game where Georgia won in, in South Bend. So, I think Georgia's definitely not taking Notre Dame lightly, and I think their fan base has more respect for Notre Dame than a lot of other teams who they played them a couple of years ago, and it was a very close game. I just, I think for me, Notre Dame has to score 30 points to win the game, and I don't, I don't see where those 30 points are coming from. There's no – I mean, talk about running backs. Georgia has five better running backs than Notre Dame's best running back. And then wide receivers, other than Chase Claypool, I mean – and there's no wide receiver that causes Georgia a mismatch, so I don't, I don't see how Notre Dame's going to move the ball and score enough points to to beat Georgia. Because you know Georgia's going to have a couple of good drives at home where they're going to 
stretch the field and run the ball effectively and score. So you just have to limit their offense, but this is where Notre Dame's lack of explosiveness on offense really comes back to bite them in these bigger games because against Clemson, they were competing, but their offense couldn't do anything. It couldn't put up any points on the board. So I don't know. I don't see Ian Book as the, as the quarterback to lead the offense to scoring 30 points against Georgia, which I think is required to win the game. Yeah, I, I like Ian Book, but I was thinking about this the other day. I think ND to take the next step. ND's obviously probably – I think you can say that they're a top-10 program in college football right now easily. I think that. And um, But to take the next step into that, like, stratosphere with Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, um, Ohio State, I think – I think they need like I think I think you need like a super like Clemson was always like they always choked in the big game they always like the Clemson every year and then they got to Sean Watson and then he now their program is an absolute powerhouse and ND needs ND basically needs their Deshaun Watson which is a lot easier said than done because that guy's a generational talent in college football um oh, that's a strong word but Deshaun Watson was one of the best college football quarterbacks in a while he was he was just a winner he was rare and um. Yeah, I don't know. And I don't know if Ian Book is that guy. I don't think Ian Book is that guy. I do like Ian Book a lot. I think he's a solid quarterback. Um, he's a good quarterback. He he makes smart play. Uh, doesn't doesn't make stupid mental errors too often. It's just he. Um, I don't know. I don't know if he's enough to beat Georgia this year. Especially there's there's not a lot of talent around him, like you said. And I think the one of the bigger issues with NDU's offense is him and Claypool. Just I feel like they have a hard time connecting on downfield throws a lot. They did complete one nice pass, um, but I don't know. He just doesn't seem to have a ton of chemistry with Claypool like he did with Boykin. I, I mean, last year Boykin had targeted him like 12 times a game and come down with most of them on the sideline or over the middle. And Claypool, I thought he was going to be that guy this year where it gets, gets that just gets fed, but I don't know. Book just doesn't have the same connection with him like they did with Boykin. And I, cause Claypool is a very talented player. He's a good player, but I don't know. He's, he's Something's missing there between him and Book, I feel like. Um, just from watching the last two games, so yeah, we'll see how it goes. I'm not, I'm not very optimistic about it, but um, there is hope. I don't think you can 100% count ND out of this game. I do think there's a chance for an upset, and even though ND's ranked seventh, I think it will be a huge upset if they win this game because, I mean, this is uh, this is Georgia's year. I mean, the last three years have been, but yeah, yeah. I I haven't seen one person predict Notre Dame to win the game on any website. Any TV station, any TV network, it's it's been all Georgia. There's been some people that think Notre Dame can hang around, but I don't know. It, it seems like Georgia by a couple touchdowns is a consensus consensus pick right now. I think the only way Notre Dame can win is if they run the ball effectively. If they can't run the ball, then their passing offense becomes extremely limited, and then it's just three and outs after three and outs. So, and Ian Book scrambling for his life, throwing across his body. So, we'll see if if Ian Book can make some passing. Get some passing yards through the air, then maybe Notre Dame will have a chance. But they're also gonna have to try and control the clock and time of possession because I don't know their offense isn't isn't built for a, a back and forth shootout. So the defense needs to make some stops as well. Also, I think special teams in this in big games can also be uh, very pivotal. So Georgia's special teams is very solid with uh, Rodrigo Blankenship as their kicker, and their punter is pretty good too. So we'll we'll see how special teams uh, makes an impact in this game as well. Yeah, it's it's. If I had to make a prediction, I'd think Georgia by, I'd say Georgia by like ten, but I don't know. I'm I'm hopeful. I'm obviously going to be, I'm going to believe until the last minute that he's going to win this game. But yeah, it's tough. To, it's tough to uh, tough to have a lot of faith this week. Even even all these like ND by like wicked at bias bloggers online that are ND guys, 
like they don't even think ND has a chance, which is that's concerning because they always pick ND to win every game at like twenty. So yeah, Georgia's stacked, but I mean, obviously much, much bigger upsets happen almost every single week. So anything can happen. Uh any anything else? Uh not much. I think uh Georgia's got the better quarterback, the better defense, the better offense, the better coach. And it's their biggest game at home in their history. So I think I think Georgia will win uh, 30, 30 to 10. 30 to 10? 30 to 10. Yeah, I think, I think they'll cover. I'll go, uh, go like 27-17, 10 points. I think, that, I think this is also the perfect timing of a game of this magnitude for Notre Dame. Obviously, getting criticized for getting blown up by Clemson, fair or unfair, their criticism is there. And there is one way to get rid of that criticism, and that's to go into Athens and beat Georgia. That can pretty much eliminate the Notre Dame shouldn't be in the playoff for the next 15 years talk if you uh, win this yeah, game. Yeah, I agree. This is – I mean, and that is a good point. ND is definitely going to have – like, Ian Book is going to have – like, he has something to prove right now because he didn't show up in that Clemson game. Obviously, Clemson was stacked, but he had happy feet in that game. He, he was scrambling all over the place, but he didn't really have to. He was throwing the ball too quick. Holding on to it too long. It was just it was not Ian Book's day. He looked rattled. So he is he's going out here with something to prove. I think most of the guys on the team do. I mean, they did lose a lot of guys on defense, but nah. Like Dante Vaughn, that guy, he's the guy that uh when Julian Love got hurt, they subbed him in and he got like six touchdowns put up on him by Justin Ross, true freshman. Dante Vaughn's going out there with something to prove. I think every guy in the field right now has something to prove. So N D will go out there, I think. The big, the, a big criticism with ND a lot of times is in primetime games, Brian Kelly doesn't get his guys ready to go. They show up and they come up flat, or they'll have a good first drive, and then the whole first half will just be nothing. Um, whereas I think this team, hopefully at least, they should come out there going 100 miles an hour, full out of steam. Um, because, I mean, like you said, everyone is doubting ND now as a program, even though I think that's it's stupid because Alabama lost by even more to Clemson than ND did. And, uh, Clemson steamrolled everybody, and there have been many teams to go to the playoff and lose by a lot more to lesser teams than ND. So, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm all set as well. All right. Oh, and also before the podcast ends, I just want to add. Uh, I don't know how we didn't mention this last week, but Dombrowski finally fired by the Red Sox. I believe I called this a while ago on a past episode. Uh, I think he's a terrible GM, asleep at the wheel. He was too afraid to make a move, even though he basically sold the farm to put his team at the title contention to create a championship window. And then he ended that championship window after winning it once in one, uh, because he was afraid to spend money all of a sudden. He was basically like, I don't know. It was, it was stupid. It was just stupid GM. It didn't make any sense. So I'm glad he got fired. I think the Red Sox can be a good team now that he won like 13 straight or something like that. Uh, once, when you get a guy like that out of the uh, front office, I think that benefits your team because that guy, I don't even know what he was doing. I don't he was terrible. Did you just say the Red Sox won 13 straight? They're about to win 13 straight to make the playoffs. Okay, that, that's that's not going to happen. I think I think they could. How how are they going to pull that off? They just lost last night in like 15 innings to the Giants. Well, they the, no the Giants had like uh, they had Yastrzemski's grandson there, so that they weren't going to lose that game. He had a home run, and the Red Sox fans were applauding him. So when your when your fans are applauding opposing players, I guess you suck. So yeah, you're right. The Red Sox are bad, but. They're not making playoffs, but I'm getting Dabrowski out of the building. Is uh, there's optimism for next season? I think if you're a Red Sox fan. Uh, yeah, we can we can have a Red Sox offseason episode uh, a little bit later on. Yeah. All right. 
That's it? Uh, yes. All right. Thanks for listening. Uh, remember to follow us on Twitter at biased underscore underscore opinion. Uh, we'll post every time we got a new episode there. And uh, we post some other things, some graphics, playoff predictions, stuff like that. So give us a follow on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week or maybe later this week with another episode. Thanks for listening.